Chapter Seventeen of Isaac Bickerstaff. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Isaac Bickerstaff, physician and astrologer, by Richard Steele. Chapter Seventeen: Fatherly Care. From my own apartment, June twenty-third. Having lately turned my thoughts upon the consideration of the behaviour of parents to children in the great affair of marriage, I took so much delight in turning over a bundle of letters which a gentleman steward in the country had sent me some time ago. This parcel is a collection of letters written by the children of the family to which he belongs to their father, and contain all the letter passages of their lives, and the new ideas they received as the years advanced. There is in them an account of their diversions, as well as their exercises, and what I thought very remarkable is that two sons of the family, who now make considerable figures in the world, gave omens of that sort of character which they now bear in the first rudiments of thought which they show in their letters. Were one to point out a method of education, one could not, methinks, frame one more pleasing or improving than this, where the children get a habit of communicating their thoughts and inclinations to their best friend with so much freedom that he can form schemes for their future life and conduct from an observation of their tempers and by that means by early enough in choosing their way of life to make them forward in some art or science at an age when others have not determined what profession to follow as to the persons concerned in this packet i am speaking of they have given great proofs of the force of this conduct of their father in the effect it has upon their lives and manners the older who is a scholar showed from his infancy a propensity to polite studies and has made a suitable progress in literature but his learning is so well woven into his mind that from the impressions of it he seems rather to have contracted a habit of life than manner of discourse to his books he seems to owe a good economy in his affairs and a complacency in his manners though in others that way of education has commonly quite different effect the epistles of the other son are full of accounts of what he thought most remarkable in his reading he sends his father for news the last noble story he can read i observe he is particularly touched with the conduct of codrus who plotted his own death because the oracle had said if he were not killed the enemy should prevail over his country many other incidents in his little letter give omens of a soul capable of generous undertakings and what makes it the more particular is that this gentleman had in the present war the honour and happiness of doing an action for which only it was worth coming into the world their father is the most intimate friend they have and they always consult with him rather than any other when any error has happened in their conduct through youth and inadvertency the behaviour of this gentleman to his sons has made his life pass away with the pleasures of a second youth for the vex as the vexations which men receive from their children hasten to approach the age and double the force of years so the comforts which they reap from them are balm to all other sorrows and disappointment in the injuries of time 
parents of children repeat their lives in their offspring and their concern for them is so near that they feel all their sufferings and enjoyments as much as they regarded their own proper persons but it is generally so far otherwise that the common race of squires in this kingdom use their sons as persons that are waiting only for their funerals and spies upon their health and happiness as indeed they are by their own making them such in cases where a man takes liberty after this manner to reprehend others it is commonly said let him look at home i am sorry to own it but there is one branch of the house of the biggerstaffs who have been as erroneous in their conduct this way as any other family whatsoever the head of this branch is now in town and has brought up with him his son and daughter who are all the children he has in order to be put some way into the world and see fashions they are both very ill-bred cubs and having lived together in their infancy without knowledge of the distinction and decencies that are proper to be paid to each other's sex they squabble like two brothers the father is one of those who knows no better than all that pleases the debauchery and images when he sees a man become his estate that he will certainly spend it this branch are a people who never had among them one man eminent in either for good or ill however have all along kept their heads just above water not by a prudent and regular economy but by expedience in the matches they have made into their house when one of the family has in the pursuit of foxes and in the entertainment of clowns run out into the third part of the value of his estate such a spendthrift has dressed up his eldest son and married what they called a good fortune who has supported the father as a tyrant over them during his life in the same house or neighbourhood the son in succession has just taken the method to keep up his dignity to the mortgages he has ate and drank himself and to have reduced him to the necessity of sacrificing his son also in imitation of his progenitor this has been for many generations the whole that had happened in the family of sam bickerstaff till the time of my present cousin samuel the father of the young people we have just now spoken of samuel bickerstaff esq is so happy as that by several legacies from distant relations deaths of maiden sisters and other instances of good fortune he has besides his real estate a great sum of ready money his son at the same time knows he has a good fortune which the father cannot alienate though he strives to make him believe he depends only on his will for maintenance tom is now in his nineteenth year mrs mary in her fifteen cousin samuel who understands no one point of good behaviour as it regards all the rest of the world is an exact critic in the dress the motion the looks and gestures of his children what adds to their misery is that he is excessively fond of them and the greatest part of their time is spent in the presence of this nice observer their life is one of continued constraint the girl never turns her head, but she is warned not to follow the proud mixins of the town. 
the boy not to turn fop or be quarrelsome at the same time not to take an affront i had the good fortune to dine with him to-day and heard his fatherly table-talk as we sat at dinner which if my memory does not fail me for the benefit of the world i shall set down as he spoke it which was much as follows and may have be great use to those parents who seem to make it a rule that their children's turn to enjoy the world is not to commence till they themselves have left it now tom i have bought you chambers in the inns of court i allow you to take a walk once or twice a day round the garden if you mind your business you need not study to be as great as a lawyer as coke upon littleton i have that that will keep you but be sure you keep some an exact account of your linen write down what you give out to your laundress and what she brings home again go as little as possible to the other end of the town but if you do come home early i believe i was as sharp as you for your years and i had my hat snatched off my head coming home late at a stop by st clement's church and you do not know from that day to this who took it if i do not care if you learn to fence a little for i would not have you made a fool of let me have an account of everything every post i am willing to be at that charge and i think you need not spare your pains as for you daughter molly do not mind one word that is said to you in london for it is only for your money End of chapter seventeen read by elijah fisher